So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, a new book, a new day. And today is going to be about The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham. Yeah, there's going to be more after the intro. So stay tuned and I'm going to see you afterwards. You know, bye-bye. Well, actually, bye-bye might not be the right, but uh, yeah, now we see each other once again. So hello and welcome back to the next episode of The Self, The Wellman with Tactics podcast. And I'm truly, 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 truly looking forward to going through this one because I also believe that it is not just something that, that I'm interested in and it is not also something that other people are interested in, but I think it is just in general something that's quite important maybe to know about. What I know about this book is that, for example, Warren Buffett said that it has been or is one of the most important books that he has ever read. And I think this just has to say something. And I mean, I could also look that up. Warren Buffett, the intelligent... Is it called Intelligent Investor? I've written it just so poorly. (laughs) Warren Buffett, the Intelligent Investor. Warren Buffett on the Intelligent... Yeah, as far as I know, it is the case. You know, I thought that I would be able to to find a quote really quickly. But anyway, and it is again brought to you by the paulminus.com site. So yeah, um, yesterday I've actually started, and because you've seen the top just in a really millisecond, I started another book. And after I've edited it, and after I've just actually written the description, after I've done the thumbnail and, and everything, so I could be uploading it today, I thought it's not the right time for this one. I think because it is it's actually mainly because of the title and and I would have to censor it and not mention it all the time because the title is in a way somehow you you, you can't just draw some lines between the title and also some things that are going on at this point of time in the world and I do not really want to just have that quite I actually don't know why you know it is not such a big deal and it's not just such a big thing but I just don't feel right pushing that out and I just don't feel right than publishing it this as well. But I thought about the vlog that I've edited like a month ago or something, and this is then gonna be uploaded, you know? Which actually is a funny thing. Like there's also one episode that I know that I've recorded and never edited and never just done anything with it. It's just laying around on my HDD that's unfortunately broken. Therefore I have to format 900 gigabytes, which is not nice, especially if you're not having a, a second hard drive. Well, anyway. The Intelligent Investor by Benjamin Graham from the Paul Miners site. And I'm as always going to highlight everything so that you can have it as a free PDF after I've finished with it probably. Through arguments, examples and practical principles, the Intelligent Investor aids the readers to establish the proper mental and emotional attitudes toward their investment decisions. It will show you that a credible, credible, is it credible? Creditable, whatever, uh, result can be achieved by the lay investor with a minimum of effort and capability. Is capability referred to capital? Because I know, I mean like, as a word, it's not, but yeah, anyway. So who is this book for? The purpose of this book is to, sub- is to supply in a form, or what, in a form suitable for layman, guidance in the, what's a layman? I don't know what a layman is. See lay person, a non ordained male member of a church 
Okay, guidance in the adoption execution of a successful investment policy. This book is not addressed to speculators, those who trade daily in the market, and it doesn't aim to show you how to beat the market. It's probably going to be about like quote unquote smart investments, quote unquote smart investments that will yield some benefits, some profits over 50 years or in 50 years. About the author, Benjamin Graham was, okay, second, Benjamin Graham was an American economist and professional investor. Yes, it's professional. Graham is considered the first proponent of value in of value investing. Warren Buffett, who credits Ben uh, Graham as grounding him with a sound intellectual investment framework, described him as the second most influential person in his life after his own father. I do, by the way, find that pretty interesting, and I'm going to highlight that because I think it is amazing. I do find it pretty interesting that a lot of people are concerning their father to be a very, very influential and also important person in their life. I, I, you know, for, for me, it's actually quite not, you know, without kind of just being like, well, I've had a bad father and, and shit like that. No, having an amazing life, I really am fortunate that I'm in a position that I am and I'm so grateful for that. But I just find it pretty interesting, you know, I just find it pretty interesting and also really cool, you know, if it is a person that is so close to you and or was so close to you, and I, I think that's amazing. I think that's actually a cool thing if this is then actually the case, kind of. So in the summary, through, okay, it's the same text once again. Anyway, the book summary. So who is an intelligent investor? Question mark. Let's start with a, there's something that's bothered me quite a bit and it's my carpet. That's not as it should be. So let's start with the most important question. Why invest? Because of inflation. It takes away your wealth or our wealth, specifically about 3% per annum, so per year, I'd say, and it is so easily to overlook. And this is something that I've also been reading about because I've also been interested in investing in terms of like, what should I do with my money? You know, should I have it laying around in my bank? Should I have it in stocks? Should I have it in whatever? And then I've, I've also just came across like, okay, there's inflation and, um, well, I knew about inflation before, but uh, other people talking about it in terms of like, okay, if you're having everything just in your bed, you know, it's, it's, the inflation is going to come and it's going to fuck your money, basically, kind of, you know. <laughs> and, and if you're invested, investing in it, then it is just you're going around the whole inflation thing, basically. Those with a fixed dollar income will suffer when the cost of living advances, which is the case almost yearly, as they say, and the same applies to a fixed amount of dollar principle. Holder of sound investments, on the other hand, have the possibility that a loss of the dollar's purchasing power may be offset by advances in their dividends and the prices of their investment portfolio value. So this is the reasons, or the reason, as we can see. And I do want to highlight it, please. Thank you. So what exactly does Graham mean by intelligent investor? It simply means being patient, disciplined, and eager to learn. You must also be able to harness your emotions and think for yourself. Really important. And I think, and this is also one of the reasons why I wanted to go through this book, I guess that those principles can also be translated into other areas of life. Like being patient, really important, really, really important. I mean, if you're trying to build something, whether it is a family, whether it is a business, whether it is a house, it's going to take some time and we should be patient. And this is also just a note for me. 
because I also tend to 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 just be impatient sometimes and yeah let's be patient you know let's both be patient you and me disciplined and eager to learn yeah all of these things are incredibly important I would say no matter how careful you are the price of your investment will go down from time to time you can't eliminate that risk you can only manage it and get your fears under control probably yeah you can't eliminate risk but you can control it if this is something that he said or not um but this is definitely something that i've also been thinking about lately um because i've realized something some time ago i've always thought about like should i take this train that is maybe gonna be delayed because it's often been delayed or should i just take this other train that is slower but i know that it is gonna be just pretty accurate in terms of okay just it's, it's not going to be delayed it's going to arrive at the time it should be arriving and all those things like and i always thought like maybe i should take more risks you know because higher risk higher reward and it is definitely also the case like if i can take the, the risk and if i'm taking the risk to take the other train or go for the other train that might be delayed and it is not delayed then i'm definitely going to be earlier at the place that i want to be so at my destination than when i would just take the other one the problem is I think it is about mitigating risks. And this is definitely also something that Warren Buffett talked about. Like being risky is just pretty dumb, actually. You know, especially if it is something that you can't calculate, I would say. But if you know that the risk the risk isn't that high, then going for the risk might be like, okay, you can do that. You know, just tiny bit of risk. But it shouldn't be like, I don't know, 50-50, like it is with the train. Like could be delayed or it could also not be delayed. Who knows? quite you know not not really but quite um so i thought well i think it is actually smart to take this the, the slower train but this one's for or to i don't know 90 percent is gonna arrive at the time it should be arriving or it should arrive i think it is smarter kind of but i don't know what, what do you think about it i would be really interested in that so please hit me up or just write it down in the comments but i would really be interested in that so in other words, an investor's chief problem and worst enemy is likely to be their own self. That's why Graham constantly emphasizes three things. Being your own uh, thing, being your own problem is actually a, a huge thing. The first one is how you can minimize the odds of suffering irreversible loss, uh, losses, 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 which is definitely also something that for example, Jeff Bezos is also talking about if there is something that is irreversible, then you really have to take your time and think about what should you be doing. But if it is something that's easily reversible and if it is something that's also cheap to reverse, then you can just be, you can just try to be as fast as you possibly can with the decision because chances are really high that you're going to be right and that everything is going to be okay. But if it is not okay, then it is going to be one step or two steps and then you have to reverse it. It's a little bit more work, of course. But for the sake of being faster, which is definitely something that seems to be quite important nowadays, as, as also Bezos said, yeah, go for that. Go for being faster. If it is about something that is easily reversible. How can you maximize the chances of achieving sustainable gains? And the last one is, how can you control the self-defeating behavior that keeps most investors from reaching their full potential? I think pretty cool ones. Pretty, pretty cool ones. The first principle intelligent investors have to learn is that stocks become more risky and not less as their prices rise and less risky as their prices fall. Really? I try to think about it. You know, I'm not a big investor and I also don't really know if I'm ever going to invest into stocks as such. 
especially if I think about buying something like the S&P S&P 500, which is like, I think it's 500 different stocks in one stock, basically, as far as I know. The problem that I'm having with that is, 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 a, is an ethical one, because I don't know what the companies are going to do with my money. Like, if it is a startup and I can give my money to them, and if I'm just really like, if I just know what they're going to do with that, I'm going to be fine with it, you know? And it is also fine for me, and I also find it a pretty cool thing to also use money and whatnot. But if it is like a, a just, I don't know, Fortune 500 or Fortune 100, I guess, there's also like a really, really fucking big corporation, then I don't know what they do. And I kind of just also think that I might be doing some things that I do not really want to do with my money or I do not want to basically support with my money, kind of. So, so yeah. The intelligent investor dreads a bull market when it goes up since it makes stocks more costly to buy. What does dreads mean? It's not going to buy. Fear or fear a bull market when it goes up. Conversely, you should welcome a bear market when it goes down since it puts stocks back on sale. Yes, definitely. And this is also one of the reasons why buying stocks when the stocks are really low is a good idea because there is, like, of course, they can also be lower, but they're probably going to go up once again, you know. So, yeah. So, if you have the money, of course. And therefore, just having some money is, is also important, I guess. You know, not in stocks, but also just, quote-unquote, cash or just in your bank account, I would say, so that you can actually be liquid and buy those stocks then if they're just in a really low price and also just buy an entire company if the economy is really breaking down, which is something that, for example, Gary Vee sometimes talking about that, that it is his plan, you know, to just amass a certain amount of money, which he's definitely doing. You know, his net worth is quite high. Um, it actually doubled as far as I know from last year to this year. It's been on 100 million as as Tim Ferriss actually is, which is something that's pretty interesting. Like like an like as an author, podcaster, and well, also investor, which is the, the biggest portion, as he said, of his net worth. Having the same as an entrepreneur, like full-time and also like whatnot. But yeah, and always see it has changed. Graham Mar- Graham's margin of safety concept helps. By refusing to pay too much for investment, you minimize the chances that your wealth will ever disappear or suddenly be destroyed. Too much for investment. Yeah. You know, if it is too much, you're not going to buy it. Like it is, it's a, you know, it is a safe system, but I don't know. There are just not only, uh, not also downsides of that as well. There, there probably are. Like there are always downsides most often. It is also important to notice, Graham uses the term investor in contradistinction contra to speculator. People who invest make money for themselves. People who speculate make money for their brokers. Okay, the, the more I know. An investor operation, an investment operation is one which upon Thoreau analyzes promises safety of principle and an adequate return. And I do want to point out, upon through analysis, promises safety of principle or principal and an adequate return or adequate return. This is an investment. Maybe this is just like the ideal one, I'd say, or the one that you should be taking, you know, and not the ones that you're going to just lose money because of. Operations not meeting these requirements are speculative. Yeah. 
In the rest of the summary, we'll explore two types of investors. The first one is the defensive or passive investor. They seek the avoidance of serious mistakes or losses and aim at freedom from effort, annoyance and the need for making frequent decisions. The enterprising or active or aggressive investor, they are willing to devote time and care to, to select to the selection of securities that are both sound and more attractive than the average, expecting a better average return than the passive investor. Like, yeah, you know, who are you? I think I, I don't know. Like, I think it, it, it really depends. You know, if, if, if I'm really interested in something, then I'm really interested and I'm probably also going to take more action, I guess. But if it is something that I'm not that interested in, I, I do think that it is smarter to be passive and try to make as less mistakes as you can and be as and be less as to not just be risky, yeah, um, as you possibly can. You know, I, I think it just makes sense. Well, yeah. For both types, Graham emphasizes the virtues of a simple portfolio policy, the purchase of high-grade bonds, plus a diversified list of leading common stocks, which any investor can carry out with little or no expert assistance. Let's explore the two types of intelligent investors. A little bit of thing uh, of 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 a little of a primer here. Please let me just thank you. I do think we are gonna go through the defensive investor and also the other one. And so just in general, we I think gonna go ahead with the summary the next time. But I do wanna have a look at himself, Benjamin Graham. Benjamin Graham. I do just wanna have a look at his Wikipedia article. Um, it's probably gonna be a. I do assume that it is a longer one. So let's see. Uh, well, okay. Whoa, what the fuck? There's a lot of references, you know, but there's not a lot of text, but there's a lot of references. And he also wrote one, two, three, four, five, six books, of which the uh, um, the intelligent investor is like, oh, the funny thing is the intelligent investor was... Uh, the first edition was published in 1949. Then it was reprinted in 2005, 1959, 1965, and 1973, with many reprints since. Nice. Really nice. Um, so he was born on Benjamin Graham Grossbaum. Or Grossbaum. It basically means it is just Germanish, I'd say. And... Großbaum would mean big tree. Baum is tree and Groß is big. Or, or also tall. It depends on how you're using it. Uh, but he was born on May the 9th, 19, uh, 1894. 1894. And died September the 21st, 1976. Was a British-born American investor, economist and professor. He's widely known as the father of value investing and wrote two of the founding texts in Neoclassical Investing. Security Analysis with David Dodd and The Intelligent Investor. His investment philosophy, philosophy stressed investor psychology, minimal debt, buy and hold investing, and fundamental analysis concentrated diversification, buying within the margin of safety, activist investing, and contrarian mindset. Really, really, really interesting. And what we can see there is that we can also just go through this one and then that's quite going to be it for like, you know, we don't even have to have the book or something, you know, because they, they also have them, like, activist, activist shareholder, is a shareholder that uses an equity stake 
in a corporation to put pressure on its management. <laughs> what the fuck? Is it? Is this something real? No? I mean, like, of course it is something real, but I do wonder how many people are doing this. Because, I don't, uh, yeah, mm, yeah, well, I can understand it, but, well. So after graduating from Columbia University at age 20, he started his career on Wall Street, eventually founding the Graham Newman, Newman Partnership. After employing his former student, Warren Buffett, he took up teaching positions as his alma mater, or mater, alma mater, I, I never ever know how to pronounce it, and later at UCLA, Anderson School of Management at the University of California in Los Angeles. His work in managerial economics investing has led to a modern wave of value investing within mutual funds, hedge funds, diversified holding companies, and other investment vehicles. Throughout his career, Graham had many notable disciplines Disciples who went on to receive sus sus substantial success in the world of investment, including Arvind Kahn and Buffett. The later going on to describe him as the second most influential person in his life after his own father, once again, uh, both would name a child after Graham. Another one of Graham's famous students was Sir John Templeton, British investor, baker, fund manager, and philanthropist. He entered the mutual fund market and created the Templeton Growth Fund. In 1999, Money Magazine named him arguably the greatest global stock picker of the century. And Irvin Khan was an American investor and philanthropist. He was the oldest living active investor. He was an early disciple of Benjamin Graham, who popularized the value investing and blah, blah, blah. Whoa! He was born 1905 and he died 2015, unfortunately, at the age of 109. And he actually doesn't look that bad, to be honest. Like, really not. Like, of course, he doesn't look like 20, but that's not something that we're expecting. It's really cool. I enjoy that. Khan, his sisters and his brother were collectively the world's oldest living quartered of siblings. Khan himself lived to 109. His sisters, Helen Reicher. Reichert, Rickard, Rickard, nicknamed Happy, died seven weeks before her 110th birthday. The youngest sibling, Peter, why do they all just... Peter Kane died at the age of 103, and Kane's other sister, Lee, died at the age of 101. Cannot lived his son, Donald, who died suddenly on January 16th, 2015, at the age of 79. Irvin Khan died in February. His death was reported through a brief uh, obituary in the New York Times in February. No specific cause of death was given. Well, I do want to point out that it must be something that's really, really, really bad if your, son's, if your son dies before you. I mean, like, AD, AD is fine, I, I, I would argue. I know AD is... I mean, like, of course, we're going to live for, for longer, probably. I'm going to live for longer, probably, because medicine is going to evolve. A lot of things are going to evolve. <sighs> but I mean, like, yeah. I mean, like, also 79. Like, it's not that old, you know? But it is pretty funny. Helen Reichert. It's, it's a really Germanish name, I, I have to say. Like, Reichert, as it would be pronounced. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. But I guess that this is going to be the end of the episode. So I wish you the best health of happiness and all success and also hope that you're going to remind yourself and you're going to be remembered. How you, uh, basically means your legacy 
and basically means just being a nice person and then being also remembered as a nice person. The three are questions that I'm having for you are why are you here, what are you trying to change and what is bothering you the most. These three questions are hopefully going to show you your purpose and hopefully also a business idea. And yeah, that's it with me. I, I can't unfortunately end the episode because I'm having my fucking rainbow bread, rainbow rainbow rainbowish thing turning around here so uh yeah I, th I think it is a pretty interesting thing and i also think it is something relatively valuable i'm sorry but i also have to say that it is something that's quite interesting to see that it is still like relevant yeah that it is still relevant and that it still is is something to consider yeah you know but it's just i mean this just illustrates how much you can actually change the world after you've died as well you know if if you have just been able to build something that's amazing and it's gonna live basically forever as this thing is definitely gonna because i mean uh, warren buffett is probably always having some quote-unquote disciples or at least people that are working in his company is there actually something warren Warren, 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 uh, Warren Buffett, disciple. Maybe it's going to be like, okay, it's a disciple of Benjamin Graham. Two Buffett disciples tell you how to make it big on the street. Investment veterans Monish Popre and Guy Spearhead once spent 6.5 million for just one lunch with billionaire Warren Buffett. What the fuck? This is a lot of money. Or it is 6,000. I don't know. This just cut off the whole thing. It's, I think it is 6 million for just one lunch with billionaire Warren Buffett. Not without reasons. Both, um, the two of them, who believe that value investing is timeless and it pays to get a grasp of the value of the business and where it is heading in the long term, have been big followers of the legendary investor. In an interaction with ET Now's Tanvir Jill, they opened up on how one should deal with markets under any conditions. Take Papray that Papray or Papray. For that matter, value investing is timeless and will be here for the next 50 years, he said, citing the example of rain industries. For those who track the shape price on a day-to-day -day basis, Speer or Speer said checking the stock prices regularly does not make sense. Yeah, I don't know. It might just be influencing you in some way. But yeah, kind of, at least. It is like a really... I'm sorry. <sighs> not a beautiful website, I gotta have to say. You know, but you know, I'm not here to want to chat. Two Buffett disciples tell you how to be big on the same one again. Here are the three big name Buffett principal disciples investing. Blah, blah, blah. Berkshire Hathaway, ho series holding... Hogwart Hutches, Whitney Tilson, who runs New York-based hedge fund Case Capital, has made a name for himself shorting hardwood flooring manufacturer lumber liquidators since public publicly announcing the position in 2003, a move that Buffett, who Tilson credits as of his biggest inspirations, might not approve of. Charlie and I have both talked about it. We probably had a hundred of ideas of things that would be good short sales, Buffett said at 2000 
in a 2012 interview with the New York Times, probably 95% of them at least turned out to be, and I don't think we would have made a dime out of it if we had been engaged in that activity. It is too difficult. Okay, sure, like something. But yeah, now I can end. I'm gonna see you the next time. Bye-bye.